Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. everybody to another episode of Sales Velocity TV. I'm Andrew, that's Aaron, and we're talking unique selling proposition today. One of my favorite topics, by the way. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing amazing, man. How was your week? Week was good. Run a little bit late today. If you're watching by live stream, we got a little jammed up with tech. Imagine that. Imagine tech jamming us up once again. As much as we love it, it sometimes just doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and it jammed me up a little bit here today. So uh, for you those of you watching live, apologize for the lateness, but if you're listening, that won't matter even one bit. Listen, if you're going to tech is great because it automates so many things and it makes things so much more efficient. And we talk about it all the time. You can take the job of five people and consolidate it down to one. You can set yourself free. But listen, we all go through tech pain. Yes, you're going to go through it. You, you can freak out about it. I was just telling I was just telling you right before yeah. we got on yeah. this, <laughs> this call. This, this, show this is today, a good one that one of my clients losing their mind this morning, rightfully so. We started a new campaign on, on Bing um, for them with a $20 a day ad budget. And randomly, two days ago, the ad budget went up to $7,000 a day. Is that so in, right? in two days, they, <laughs> they spent $14,000 and freaking out. But the big question course. is, how are the conversions? That's what I said. How many leads did we really? get? Did like it work or was it like, okay, we, you know, this, this was a big debacle. That's, that's how my brain works. Because I mean, you know, you're like, of course you're pissed, but you're like, did we make like a gazillion more sales? I mean, could there be right. an upside exactly. to this, right? Exactly. I'm sure but you were thinking that. We checked the change log and the change isn't from any of us, not from us, not from the client. It says unknown. So we'll go to Microsoft and we'll say, hey, you had a glitch. Give them their money back, you know, end of story. Yeah. But, you know, in this world that we're in now, you, you, you need to have tech. But if you're saying to yourself, oh, my God, I don't want to have tech because there's going to be problems, let me burst your bubble. You're going to have problems, and it's worth it. That's the reality. It, listen, it's a double-edged sword. We know this. Tech gets better and better. However, we get more and more of it. So sometimes I always like to say it can become like kryptonite if we're not careful, where it just it bogs us down more than builds us up. But there will always be the little tech issues. And uh, anyways, I, I, I digress. So listen, unique selling proposition. Here's my question to the watchers and listeners is if somebody said, what is it that makes you and your business different than all the other choices I have out there, what would you say? And that question, like when I, when I got into the world of direct response marketing, having left the financial services business, Aaron, probably pushing 20 some odd years now, that was the question. I remember the question when I was studying direct response marketing. I think it was Dan Kennedy who phrased it in a way, something along the lines of, what would make me choose you and your business versus any and all other options available to me at this time? And it was like, wow, that's a really powerful question. If you have an answer to it, it's kind of like, what's that saying? It's your elevator pitch, if you will, right? That's your, sure. like, that's your thing. Um, and we're going to talk about that today is unique selling proposition. A lot of times when business owners get stuck at a certain growth phase, they're not connecting with their market. Their ads aren't working well. The branding is just kind of, uh, normally it's time to go back to the drawing board on unique selling proposition and really figuring out what makes us different. What's our differentiator? What is it that makes us stand out? Because today you have a couple seconds to stand out and make an impact and that's unique selling proposition. So that's the topic of today and it's a good one. 
Yeah, and, and, and to be honest with you, from what I can see in the marketplace, the uniqueness of a product or service is becoming less and less and less a reality. Like when I'm talking about, you mean you're seeing a lot of plain vanilla stuff out there? Do you feel? No, I don't mean of how it's how it's presented. Although that's the issue too. But like, when was the last time you saw a new product or a new service where you went, "That's completely different. I've never seen that thing." It happens, man. It happens sometimes. It just doesn't happen a lot. It happen. I feel like it happens less and less and less. Like if we look at your X3 bar, uh, that, for example, the same thing that, came to mind with me. Like when we talk about that piece of equipment, it was like that thing just was in a league of its own. But you know what? Perfect I disagree example. with you. I, I've seen a million band systems where I was like, you were like, hey, I got this band system, and I was like, meh. So what? Uh, however, right? however, if you know the story behind it, right? Because because it will go there. Unique selling proposition is the door opener, but the story and the support, the research, the science, whatever it may be, is what keeps the door open. Right, and for me, when I actually dug into it and I read the story and I read the science, I was yeah. like, cool, and we'll talk about that in a second. But when I actually look at it physically, I was like, what's the, what's the USP of this thing? What makes it different than every other band thing that's out there? I'm looking at it on my floor, that's why I'm turned. And, and there was two things. One was the big heavy metal plate. There you go. You stand on, right, yeah. because I didn't like I didn't like Stuff bands. wrapped around your ankles and all weird. Yeah, yeah. Standing on them and they're, uh-huh, they, exactly. they're hitting your knees all the time and stupid stuff. And, exactly. and, and I didn't like that I had these like weird little handle grips that were always cheap and crappy. And that's this exactly came with like right. a legitimate full. Titanium beat. Olympic bar, connect, right? Yeah. Like, that's it, how you get the loads. Exactly. And that's what I'm used to lifting with. So I was like, uh-huh. oh, this is, this is, this is like it's got a heavy base. It's got an Olympic bar. Already it's differentiated itself. And, and then when you combined it with the story and the science, which is a little bit of what we'll talk about, I was like, okay, I get it. Now I get why it, it's Now it, I see what makes it unique. That's right. right? And exactly. that's where we're going today. So if you can't answer this, what is it that makes us unique or makes me unique or makes our service unique, then it's going to be kind of an uphill battle all the time when it comes to marketing. It's tough to, to, to put ad spend behind that, Aaron, right? Right. Like because, it's tough to put ad spend not- behind something that isn't a differentiator. It's brutal. It's not intriguing. It's it's a me too product. Yep. Nobody cares. And then you know what ends up happening, and we'll talk about this in point three. What ends up happening is because you're not really special, because there's no unique selling proposition, you got to compete on price. And now you're in a race to the bottom, competing with every manufacturer in China. And guess what? You'll lose. <laughs> Unless you're Period. Amazon, you'll lose, right? You'll lose, right? So yeah, so, let's break it down. So what's the right. what's the you know what's the what's the process? What's the method? And I want to give an example to refra- to, to frame this before you get into your points. Um, the best example that I was taught early on was Domino's Pizza. I should have even said it because I wanted you to guess, but I do this from stage all the time. I, I do their USP and I said, does anybody know what this company is? And if you remember back in, I want to say 80s, they were, a lot of people don't know the story, huge company today, obviously. You see their commercials on all mm-hmm. sports channels, right? Yep. Is They were a struggling private pizza company, I don't know how many decades ago, and they shifted into fresh hot pizza delivered in 30 minutes or less guaranteed. And that USP, that unique selling proposition took them to a hundred, $200 million plus company publicly traded and, you know, huge success story because they found what we're going to talk about here today. They found holes in the marketplace, the pizza marketplace, which you'll talk about in a second. They identified those holes and that solution shifted into fresh, hot, 30 minutes or less. Now, nothing about the best, the gourmet, the greatest sauce, the cheese, fresh, hot, fast. 
Now, the real well, funny and- story behind this, Aaron, which I think you've heard me say, I've, done, I've told this story from stage so many times over the last two decades, is that the reason that they... The, the reason that the company did that is because the two owners of the company at the time were big pot smokers yeah, and they were like college say. kids and yep. they were just starving and blazed up and couldn't, couldn't drive. So yep. they were frustrated with how long it took for delivery and how it wouldn't come fresh. And they went and built a solution to their, I guess, keyword you know, problem. marijuana issues, right? Keyword <laughs> problem, which we're going to talk they about. solve the big problem. I don't know. How and here's the thing. Works, but. There's that old saying that, that it's sex and pizza. Right, even even bad sex or bad pizza is still good. Now that's right? a, now that could be an episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even you know it, it's the truth, right? Like even bad pizza, you're still going to eat it, right? So not, you know, I had not ever heard anybody put those two things that way. But thank you for doing that. And check. I mean, am I wrong? Would you turn down sex I, I or pizza? I don't think you're wrong, man. Right? You know that that's the reality. But right? the pizza thing, yeah. I mean, listen. The last thing I'll say is. My kids love that Domino's pizza. It looks so amazing on TV. And then when it gets delivered, it is just so bad. I hate to say it. It's just not that good. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but they again, never said they, it was good. They, they said didn't fast and hot. On, they didn't focus on we are organic. We have the best ingredients. We've been doing we, this for 30 years. Mama made this sauce in the 70s. Yeah. And it's like, that's all okay, but it's not enough. But it's but anybody can say that they went for the pain yeah. problems and the solution because when you want pizza, you want it hot. You don't want it showing up cold. That's the one thing that you, you'll, I'll Especially still eat cold for pizza. delivery. I mean, that's the big concern, right? Right. I want it delivered. I want it hot. Yep. I want it fresh. Right. So going going back to to well, we haven't going back to it. We're starting with you know essentially point one is it doesn't matter what industry you're in. You have to really clearly understand the pain points of your market, right? How do you do that? And this is the thing that so many people skip over is they just, they don't want to do any research. They don't want to spend any time. So they just come up with something and they go good enough. And it's not good enough, right? In order lazy, to it's laziness is what it, it is. is. It happens quite right? a bit today in all Or, or impatience. Yep. It might not be laziness. It might be impatience. One of the two, right? But you, you got to ask as many people as you can who currently use a product or service like what you pu- want to put out. What are their feelings around it? You know, what's their pain points? What keeps them up at night? What agitates them? What would be better? Check out your competitors, right? You can use tools like Facebook ad library where you can go to Facebook ad library and you can see all the ads of, of the competitors and you can see what points they're hitting on and that will start to give you a better understanding if you've got if you can get access to an email list you can survey people and just ask them the questions mm-hmm. you know what do you like best about it what do you like least about it what would you change what are your pain points etc yeah i mean even resources like facebook groups we talk about this all the time andrew you can go and add yourself to a facebook group in almost any industry at this point and just ask the question Right, you'll yeah. you'll find out very quickly what people like or dislike about any product or service. Right, post it on your own social media. Right, what we're trying to find out is where's the pain point in the marketplace. Right, once you clearly define what the pain point is in the marketplace, then you can move on to point number two. Right. And before I move on to point number two, is there anything you want to add to the research and understanding the market and understanding their pain points and understanding the feel in any product or service that you want to launch? No, because I think you're right. I think that the, this begins with what problem I solve, 
Where yep. is the issues? Like the pizza thing, the Domino's thing. Right, because there was, was a million were, pizza companies. That was, that, they were frustrated with the current solution. They created a new solution, which then became the uniqueness of the company, right? So right. if you start with problem and not with just research for the sake of research, that's going to lead to the uniqueness, hopefully, of what it is that you have. Listen, if you don't have... If there's no uniqueness in what it is that you do, that's a different problem we can talk about in a little while. There has to be, I mean, listen, you have the wrong product or service if there isn't some element of differentiation and uniqueness, and you have to have that today. So we'll, well talk and, about and how to Domino's, get what's, what's great about Domino's is they're constantly surveying their customer base. They're really, really good at it to see what people would like next. You know, they were one of the first to do the, the curbside, you know, hands-free yeah. delivery thing when COVID hit. You know, about two years ago, I don't know if you saw their big rollout of commercials where they said, hey, screw delivering it to a house. We'll deliver it wherever you want. And you could start to order and pin on a map where you were. So if you were in a park, you know, if you were at, at work, if you were at a coffee shop, it didn't matter where you could you could order to a pin. Right. Like they started to to think about the next generation who's like, maybe I don't want maybe maybe I just want to get it on the side of the road. What's wrong with that? You yeah, know, they're, they're a tech company. Like we talked about tech in the beginning. You're right. They're a tech savvy food yep. company, right? Imagine Absolutely. being a tech savvy food company. That's an extra edge that you have. And they listen. They mm-hmm. listen as, yep. as, and some of the ideas that come back are kind of crazy, but then they go, you know what? If we can do it, why not do it? Right. And, and, it, and it builds this, this tribe of fanatical buyers, right? Mm-hmm. So they they didn't just come out with one and done. They kept evolving the process, which is, is key because a lot of people who listen to this, they already have businesses and they're like, well, we already have our USP, right? But are you talking to your customers and seeing, you know, how they're evolving and what you could do better and potentially roll out and freshen up the USP that you have so that you don't get left behind and somebody doesn't, you know, take you out in your right. marketplace, right? right? So number two is, is once you've done the research, figure out how you're going to solve that problem and or create a better experience, right? We, you know, you and I, we ask every new customer that comes in or leaves, you know, what they like or dislike. And for me, the, the big one that I think people miss is they miss the, one, the, the asking people who leave why they're leaving, right? It's one of the most valuable tools you can have. If somebody cancels a subscription or they stop showing up to your business or, you know, they don't, renew your retainer or they buy a product one time and they never come back again. And you're a, you're a big proponent of this. You get so angry when you, when you pay money for a service and then nobody follows up with you to ask you how it was, right? If you don't just ask your customers who are buying from you, you know, what, what they like best about it or what they'd like to change, ask the people who are leaving. And it, that's super uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah, but, yeah. but some people just kind of don't want to go there at all, right? Yeah, they're like, oh, that's awkward. They don't want to do business with me anymore. I don't want to talk to them. Understandable, right? but very Yeah, like I get it. It's awkward. But, you know, for me, you know, in, 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 in a retainer-based business, every time somebody leaves, I want to find out very clearly where, you know, we may have missed the mark or expectations weren't met or whatever, whatever. So then I can put systems and processes in place to, to block that hole, right? Mm-hmm. And now that I've, I've blocked that hole, I have another thing I can add to my selling process because I can talk against my competitors who might be still making the same mistakes, right? right? So that's part of now part of my USP, right? And, and what you want to do is keep refining that process over time to create essentially a bulletproof offer. Because when you come out, you have this USP and you have this idea but you don't really know how good it is until you put real 
live humans and bodies through it over time and you're and if you're constantly asking them for feedback then it's just going to get better and better and better right third point and, and this is a, an example you you use all the time and and i believe in this wholeheartedly is think amex experience right think you know i i i wholeheartedly encourage people to to not make their usp competing on price we're cheaper we're cheaper we cost less, blah, 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 right? Cheaper has no meaning to people. There's no engagement with the soul of your business. There's no loyalty, right? It's a race to the bottom, right? Even if you get a customer making your USP price, they're gonna leave when somebody sells it for cheaper. So you've got a really short-term relationship with that client if everything about your usp is about price and i know that this is a this is something you're really passionate about well listen the price thing can work if you're a monster conglomerate of a company and you can drive a boatload of advertising money like amazon kind of competed on price when they launched but they also competed on efficiency as well and kind of an the everything store right the they are the every they they, they had access to everything was really the big thing but they could also compete on price because they were, you know, they had the money to do so. Most business owners that listen to the show, they have a limited advertising budget. Therefore, they cannot compete on price, right? Walmart competes right. on price because Walmart is Walmart, right? You don't right, want to be Walmart or Amazon is the point, right? Here, here's the thing I want to say about Amazon, though. Amazon didn't really break through until they figured out the major pain point of their, of their customers, which was paying for shipping and slow shipping. That's true, it was a shipping play. Amazon Prime has 100 million subscribers in the United States alone. At 100 bucks a year. Which is insane, I know, right? And they said, if you're a Prime member, we guarantee shipping to your house. It's the Domino's thing. We guarantee free shipping to your house in 24 hours or less. That was the big USP that took Amazon from being just another e-commerce competitor to an absolute monstrosity and, and has, has virtually killed their competition. Destroyed. Because and, and destroyed the local market as well. Like there's a lot of businesses, even pre-COVID, were going down because of Amazon. Right. Because nobody can beat their infrastructure play, right. the relationships they created with USPS and and UPS and right. FedEx right. and warehousing and, and drivers and like that. Forget it. I'm not So Aaron, that. I'll give you – it's interesting you say that. So we'll talk kind of about the, the bigger companies first. But another good example of – unique selling proposition, not just the words you use, but like you said, the experience that you create. Look at Apple. I use this example a lot. Apple created the store experience for tech before anyone else did, right? There's never, yeah. there never was an in-store experience with the Microsoft. No, Windows. it was like the radio shacks of the world, which were just a bunch yeah, of Yeah, but that was just equipment, right? It was like, Best Buy. It, it was, and they did it. I always talk about this. A lot of people don't know what really, really made Apple take off to become the richest company of the world. People think, oh, it's the music. Oh, it's the, it's the iPod. Oh, it was the iPhone. All true. But the real big, big, big move for them was the uniqueness of opening a in-store experience. By the way, during the tech meltdown of 2000, I don't know if it was 2001 or when the NASDAQ completely melted down, all these companies went out of business. And here they are physically implanting beautiful high-end stores in some of the biggest cities in America, now worldwide. And today, by far, the, the highest grossing per square footage piece of real estate on the planet Earth right now is the Apple stores. There's not even a close second. Coach... Not even a close second. Rolex, yeah, and they, not and they even a close second. Pain point, right? They right. But at that's the, the thing. Point. The pain point, right, is 
We know that if we get somebody to buy a Mac, if we know that they can show up at a store and work with a genius bar person, they're called, and help that experience to become better, A, there's your uniqueness, and B, they'll probably buy a whole heck of a lot more stuff when they're in there. It was, everybody was like, they are nuts. The tech, the world is ending. The NASDAQ is at 200, maybe not 200, but right, the NASDAQ is done. Tech is done. All these startup companies are done. And here's Apple putting these beautiful stores around the world making a unique experience when nobody else had it. Now, Microsoft has tried. They have a couple little stores in Seattle that they tried. Amazon is testing it now, the in-store experience, but it's just not, it's not taken off. Nothing is sticking like the Apple in-store experiences right now in tech. Now, that's a, that's a unique selling proposition from an experience standpoint, not from a languaging standpoint. Well, and people, people want tech, but everyone's afraid of not understanding tech, not being a techie person, right. looking they stupid. They get intimidated. They get intimidated, yeah, right? And, and what they created was this experience of not only will we serve you, we want to serve you. Come, Come on, on in, let's man. Play with this. You just Let bought a Mac. Come on right? in. Come on in, right? And and all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, I don't feel dumb going in and asking my question about how I set up my email or what, you know, whatever. Or, or, or like, you know, Dell Computer was the big player when I was coming up in tech. And mm-hmm. they, they, were known for having really good telephone customer service. That was their thing. Yeah. Like Dell, Dell was, Dell was like an e-commerce company. It was computers shipped to you, kind of you make them online, they would ship them, but they had great tech support. But then eventually it became so tough to get a hold of them and it was long wait times and they were worldwide. And it was a great experience at the time, pre-Apple store experience. By the way, my phone just, I, my, my, there we are, by the way, isn't that cool? Who are those guys on there? Now, they're, that they're is, now that's technology. Anyway, this phone, my screen went, I dropped it and the screen went blank on me the other day. And I went right to the Apple store on an appointment. Genius bar, as always, amazing experience. One of my favorite companies in the world is Apple. Great experience. Brand new phone. Got it all synced back the way it was supposed to with the apps. No fee to do it. In-person experience. There's one close to me. So, you know, all that matters. That uniqueness Fan. is like that wouldn't I would never want to go use a Samsung device because I would lo- I love having my access to, <laughs> to your face. I love having my access to the physical store and the people who are there and are always so helpful. They're really well-trained people, the genius bar people and good and, people, and me, nice people. And let me circle back to what I first said on this point. Does Apple compete on price? 100 percent. No, zero. 100 percent. No. Nope. No way. Every time I buy an app, every time I buy an Apple product, one, I'm stoked to get it because yep. it's always amazing. And two, I'm like, God damn, that's expensive. But but I'm gonna pay it because the look, the feel, the experience, the whatever, like there's zero chance. Have I've you ever, ever seen them running a sale? Not, Not that really. I can think of. Not really. Once in a blue I, moon, they might have a promotion going on with a new computer or a new phone coming up, but not sales. Like no, you look I don't at, you look at brand, of- like we talk about these top tier brands, man, you look at Apple. I was in the Rolex store the other day looking at watches. Guy was like, we've worked, there's zero, like there's nothing happening on price. We don't have them for three months. Number one, there's nothing happening on price and there's never going to be a promotion. Mercedes cars always run promotions a little bit here and there, but not really at the high end. Mercedes. It, it, Lexus, it might be like extended financing options maybe, but, but the they're price not hacking thing? price. Apple, Rolex, Mercedes, you look at some of these big brands, these are all the big the, the big ones out there. And you might be thinking to yourself, oh my God, I'm, I'm nowhere near being one of those brands. But you can take from those brands, right? The best businesses take from the big and the small. 
right? They look at both sides. They look at the extremes. They look at all the way to the left, all the way to the right. So Apple, oh my gosh, I could never do that. They have a billion bucks of cash in the bank. And then you look at a small business, maybe in your local neighborhood, that is a restaurant, let's say, that is just knocking the cover off the ball because they're doing something different at the local brick and mortar level. And you figure out how can I somehow take elements from the big and the small because I'm saying this is a visibility thing, right? Like as entrepreneurs, you have to have hyper awareness. I feel the best entrepreneurs and business owners and sales professionals are always on the lookout. They're always and be willing to adapt. Yeah. They're always look, they're like, they're always researching. How can I just take a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here and make it my own? That's what a great entrepreneur. Now, big businesses have trouble doing that. They're not as agile. They're not as quick on their feet as the small you know, agile entrepreneur who can start to take bits and pieces and put them together and make their own unique selling proposition. That's, that's what I find amongst really great business owners is they adapt well, like you said, and they're always pulling the best from not only the little guys, but from the big guys and the guys in the middle as well. They might take, they might take a playbook from Amazon. They might take a piece of the playbook from Apple and they might take a piece of the playbook from a local business across the street and somehow figure out a way to nail their unique selling proposition. That's what I find from the greatest small to medium-sized businesses that we mostly work with and see. Absolutely. Let's go into point number four because we started a little bit late and we want to still end on time today. Um, there's an old quote, facts tell, story sell, right? Again, going back to how we started this in the beginning, there's almost no unique, there's, there's very little unique products or services that are launching these days. There might be adaptations, but there's, there's very few that are like, wow, I've never seen anything like that. Right. What's unique is how you do things. What's unique is how you communicate to people, right? What's unique is how you look, how your business looks and how your customer feels when they interact mm -hmm. with your product or service. Right. I quote, start with why from Simon Sinek all the time, right? When you, when you tell people what your product does, it's, it's cerebrum and it's facts and figures, mm -hmm. right? But when you talk about the why, the story, the motivation, the impact, all the, the, those types of things, those are all emotional things. Those are all limbic system things. And that's actually where people make the buying decision. You know, they have that gut feeling, yep. go with your product or service, right? And one of the greatest ways to do that is to tell stories, Right. When you come out and you just say, here's our photocopier. It's super fast. You know, it's indestructible. It's going to last 50 years and whatever. That's all features. Facts. features. It's just features. Right. It's features and benefits. Right. But when you come out and you say, you know, I was so I've been in this space forever. I've been doing 37 copies a day, you know, for 40 years. And I got tired of the thing jamming up and I'm always having to pull it out. And then the boss is you know, he's on my neck and blah, 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 blah. And I don't like how much paper is being wasted in the environment and blah, 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 blah. So we came out with this brand new copier that has no paper and magically floats through the air to your phone or whatever, you know, that's that all of a sudden somebody's like engaged because they can put themselves in your shoes, in your pain point, in your, and they can see themselves in you, right? So the better you get at storytelling around your product or service, and add that personality like you just did. That personality, right? Just I literally just had this conversation with the, the guys last night. Andrew, you would laugh. They're a financial education company. Mm -hmm. and they're like, we don't want to, we don't want to have a face on this thing. We don't, you know, but we just want to lead with the brand. Blah, blah, blah. I said, guys, like, you can't, financial education but... is 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 boring. Like, 
I'm looking at the site. There's no who we are. There's no why we created it. There's no there's no public figure attached to it. And and the funny thing is, in the same sentence, the guy goes, you know, we want we want to be like a like a Tim Ferriss, right? And I'm like, Tim Ferriss is the exact opposite of this. He's a heavy promoter. I mean, that's what that's why he's so successful because he's a massive promoter. How are you going to not promote your stuff and let's let it sit behind a logo, right? Right. And I said, look, if you just want to pound like facts and figures nonstop, you'll get customers. But your cost per acquisition will be exponentially higher. So you better have a long, you know, long road of capital set aside until you become quote unquote known. Right. Right. And the other way is obviously to engage at a personal level with your ideal customer, be telling stories, be, be telling your, your unique philosophies, your origin story, all those kind of things. And that's going to engage at, a, at an emotional level. And and they're more likely to buy. So if you can get good at telling the story of why you did things different, what motivated you to create it, what motivated you to make that change. What you found, what you overcame. Right? Exactly. Right? Then people who believe what you believe are going to be very attracted to what you're offering. And by the way, that's another element of uniqueness, right? Sometimes unique selling proposition is pretty difficult to find when it's just language. So we talked mm -hmm. about it being language, Domino's example. We talked about it being experience, Apple example. And now we're talking about it being personality-driven, people sure. example. Because the, the best opportunity you have for being unique and standing out is personalizing and humanizing what it is that you do. Because people buy from people, not big companies. People trust people more than they trust logos and brands. And if you can differentiate with who you are and what you found and in and, 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 and your presence. And like you said, the example before, I was dealing with this and I overcame it and I went off and created this. You see some of those best brands that they get Shark Tank money. They're always, the person is very much involved in the uniqueness of it. And usually it's the person who found something. They went on this journey and now they're like, the thing, like, like one of my favorite- Because they had pain and they wanted to solve it. There you go. So one of my, one of my, I think my all-time favorite podcast besides my own, besides this one at this time, um, is uh, in the health and wellness space. Actually, the, I think the number one rated podcast today is Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Radio podcast. Is he it's, number one now? Good for it's him. It's close to, it's top five in the world, right? Um, I love his brand. I love his philosophies. I'm, I'm in so alignment with him. But his whole brand, I mean, if you know what Bulletproof Coffee is, it's, it's, it's good quality coffee. It's grass-fed butter and a little MCT oil. And what it does for the brain and the focus level, you've heard me talk about this a million times. It's just outstanding. It's almost like a drug, but it's not. But he found this like in his travels to India, trying to find himself, trying to find out, you know, what makes the Western world different from the Eastern world. Went on like this massive journey biohacking his own body and then came back with all this data, research, information from experimenting on himself, a lot of science behind it as well, and created a brand around it. Now, how sticky is that story? versus just a nutrition company or just a oh. podcast about wellness. Like everybody knows the story of the, like how bulletproof that yeah. concoction was created. And I it went on to create a massive products. brand. I mean, the, the books, the information, yeah. the nutrition, the wellness. But again, what was unique about it? It was the experience converted to story, humanized and personalized all the way. He's the brand. Bulletproof. Right coffee or bulletproof nutritional supplements. It's just another brand. But, but here's the his thing. story intertwined. It's not just another brand, right? A, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to build a brand around myself because then I can't sell it. The reality is, is you either got to build a brand around nobody and spend a ton of money and decades until it's recognized. I know. Right. 
or you build a brand around a story and somebody and you could be hugely profitable within two to three years. And guess what? Five, six, seven years later, the brand itself is still going to be known. I ordered a bulletproof coffee the other day from the restaurant in Cayman. They had it as a, it was actually labeled as yeah. that or wow. It's, it was called or bulletproof coffee, right? Now, if he just come up with a brand called bulletproof coffee and he put it into the marketplace. Wouldn't have meant much. Wouldn't mean nothing. People are talking about it. There's a human behind it. And by the way, now his stuff is on the shelves of Whole Foods. So you see how like, like a lot of people want to avoid the personal experience that we, we talk about this a lot, humanizing and personalizing the experience. A lot of people want to avoid that because like you said, oh, how would I sell it? But the time, right? The time it would take to get you to be able to sell it would be a fraction of that if you humanized it like Dave did. And now all of a sudden he could step away from it. The of brand could stand can. alone. So it's almost like people have it backwards, like you said, right? Don't think yeah. about, well, I don't want to be a promoter or be the face of this thing because what if I sell it one day? Well, what if you don't? Right. What, why are you worried about something that's not even remotely close to happening anytime it, soon? It's a big hypothetical. Exactly right. And that sometimes is a big roadblock for business owners, sales it's, professionals, entrepreneurs is when you want to stay out of the public eye and you want to not be a promoter and you're afraid of criticism and all that. That's, that's just a decision. That's all fine and well, but just know that you're probably going to slow things down considerably. In my experience, absolutely. You know, I mean, we look at, you know, our software pipeline pro, you know, we're, we're all over the place in that thing, sharing how we use it with our own experiences and how we leverage it. And, you know, to, to, to 10 X our own sales and, and efficiency with all of our leads and, and all that kind of stuff. I see so many softwares out there in the marketplace saying, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to put my name on anything. I just want this to stand on its own. And cool. You know, the reason why people are doing this is because I want to exit, right? Why are you worried about exit? An exit is like seven to eight years away. And your chance of actually being successful enough to exit or to go IPO or whatever it is that's in your mind, it's like one in a, I don't know, a thousand, 10,000. And you need an right? absolute fortune of an advertising and branding budget to get there yeah. if you're not willing to play the promotion game. Right. Why? Instead of worrying about that, why don't you worry about serving your customers at the highest level first? Right. Why don't you worry about getting in the trenches and finding out what they want and how you can serve them and how you can make it better? And consequently, building something that's really freaking good that down the line, if you want to exit it or you can go public, you can't. Yeah. What, are you, what are you looking that far in the future for? You don't even have anything yet. Yeah, without proof of concept, it's not really a smart statement. No, it's it's insane how many people are like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing that because, you know, we want to go public. But okay. a lot of times it's fear, right? We talk about, we're talking unique selling proposition and, you know, we've given, I think, three really good examples of the verbiage that you use, the experience that you can create and the way you personalize it makes it, you know, you could somehow blend all three of them in if that would be magical, right? Absolutely. Maybe it's just wording. Maybe it's the experience. Maybe it's the personality. Maybe it's all three. My God, if it's all three, you're like, you're listen for Apple. It was Steve jobs as the face of it. People loved them at one point. It was the unique. Apple of the was brand. Steve jobs. Remember yes. when he went away and the thing just fell off a cliff. And they, what about when they took him out and the company tanked, they brought the CEO of Pepsi and I think his name was Scully. He wasn't him. a CEO. I don't think he was the CEO. I think he was a VP. Yeah, he came in and, and took over. This guy Scully yeah. from Pepsi, right? Yeah, it was absolutely. Like, oh my God, we're suffering. We're like losing our shirts, and they they like begged to bring him back, and he's like, Yeah, I'll come back. It's on my terms. My company took the yeah. company, you know, to, to the stratosphere before he passed away. After but, he had already built Pixar up in that time while he was gone. Yeah. So I mean, there was, but there was also a guy there though. So 
you know, that's an interesting corporate example where that was an out front and center, heavy promoter type CEO. You don't I, see I that a lot today. People say, I don't want to be the face of the brand. I'm like, really? Because Steve Jobs and, and the last time I checked, Tesla are doing pretty good. Tesla with Musk is another great example. Bill, Bill Gates with Microsoft back in the day, he was front and center. That was another great example. Absolutely. Right. So Absolutely. there's, there's, but, but you probably CEOs. couldn't sell those companies, you probably couldn't sell those companies or exit them because they've got a face associated with it. Right. The chances are though, the companies would never even get to a, an exit in even an exit conversation without the faces leading it. That's the thing. Right. That's my point. Yeah. Right. That's like even, thing. even yesterday when I was talking about the, 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 the these guys I was talking with, they, they're competitors, right? I was talking about Mind Valley. I'm like, Mind Valley's CEO is on every one of their videos. What are you talking about? He's talking about like all the different programs they have and the experience and like, I mean, you're telling me that Mind Valley couldn't be sold. Mind Valley's worth like ten billion dollars right yep. now. Yep. Yep. So the takeaway here, buddy, is I'll let you do the takeaway, but I think the most important thing I want to nail home again is you got sort of three buckets to work in, right? You create unique selling proposition by the languaging and the messaging that you use. It's USP. It's unique selling proposition differentiation. You do it through experience, right? I think live events is a big one, right? This is coming back now. Live events will be a great way to differentiate. The best businesses in the world, by the way, also put on the best events in the world, whether it be workshops, events, you know, sessions, whatever, whatever, whatever launches. you get launches, things like that. They're, they're not just hiding behind a brand or the internet or the website. They're actually getting live with people. And that's coming back again now, which is amazing. And then obviously the other part is just not being afraid to get out front. The uniqueness is you, the uniqueness is you being out there and you having overcome something and sharing that and people resonating with that and feeling like there's transparency and feeling like, Hey, I can relate to this. This yeah. person who runs this and is the face of this, I can relate to that. And they're a great leader and they communicate well. And that makes it unique, right? Sometimes people will stick with companies, by the way, because of the leader. Like there's people that will buy Tesla and never not buy another car because they love Musk. Do you know how it's many like, people love, love Virgin because of Richard Branson? There's another great example. Another great example. Love him. And they could when, all when, be criticized. When everything hit the fan, when everything hit the fan in COVID, his his staff, because you got to understand, Richard Branson probably took the worst hit of anybody yeah. of any billionaire in COVID, right? He was building he had a couple all new brands at the chips time. in, all wow. chips in in tourism, right? Mm -hmm. Cruise ships, planes, hotels, yep. every, this wiped out, right? And his staff said we'd be willing to to get paid zero for three months. They offered this to him just because we love the Virgin community and Richard Branson so much. I guess crazy, right? But it goes back to like the feel, right? The feel of the brand, right? And 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 I just wanna I wanna leave it with this last point before we wrap up today. Once you've defined this and once you've got clear on it and you've done your research and you put it in place and you've tested it and it's working and it feels good, right? Make sure you carry through this USP to all forms of your marketing. And and people forget. They think that, oh, that's marketing, but that's not marketing. Every interaction you have with a customer is marketing, right? Your emails, your SMS, your Zoom, your websites, your ads, your customer service, your live interactions, your genius bar, your, hmm. your everything. This has to be carried through in every piece of your communication because that consistency builds credibility. I would agree. Your genius bar. Find your genius. The takeaway today, find your genius bar. When you find, find your, your 30 bar, minutes but, hot and fresh. And find, if you can get just hot, fresh pizza delivered in 30 minutes or less. But that, that wording, again, you know, those are your pillars to work with. And if you don't have anything going on in those three areas, and that's obviously the reason why. Maybe there's struggle or maybe there's slowness. Um, 
And this is something that you need to come back to once in a while. Sometimes a unique selling proposition is like branding. It needs to be freshened up, right? You've, yep. seen, you've seen companies do complete brand makeovers and they do complete language makeovers too, right? They stand for something different now and they show up a little bit differently. And sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it isn't. I've seen these makeovers completely fail and I've seen some take a company to the next level. Absolutely. Um, so find your unique selling proposition. That's the takeaway for today. Hope you enjoyed this one. I'm Andrew. That's Aaron. We will see you on the next episode of Sales Velocity TV uh, and or radio. Make sure you download the podcast, listen to it on the go as well, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.